0: Welcome to Business Beyond Usual. My name is Ramu. In the first part of this episode, we heard from two professors who have differing and maybe not so differing views on the role businesses should play in society. And in this part, we're going to explore what it's like to work in social impact roles and how to get involved in those roles while you're a student. So let's jump right in and get back to my discussion with Blake and Brianna. So we talked a little bit about the academic perspective and I think we got some some great clarity um, as we have a table stakes going forward. but now I think what's interesting as we go into our next segment is, is not just the academic perspectives from you know, our, our esteemed faculty here, but also what it's actually like to work in the social impact space. Well, I got the chance to speak with Ross 2010 alum Tracy Thibodeau, who worked in the private sector as a financial manager at PepsiCo before transitioning to a fellowship at Chicago Public Schools and is now managing partner at her own education consulting firm and owner of Dream Focus Thrive, a mission yoga business. So let's listen to the first clip with uh, with Tracy there. Tracy, thanks for being here with me. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think you come from a unique background because you have worked, you know, in the private sector as well as the social impact sector, owning and operating Mm -hmm. your businesses. How would you describe your experience working in the social impact space?
1: Um, I mean, I tell you, uh, it keeps me on my toes. It's, um, it's always interesting. Um, and what I mean by that is, my, it's one thing to be on the outside and speculate on what's going on or what should be done. I, I think it's a whole different story when you're actually on the inside. And what I mean by that is, both from my experiences of working within a leadership role within Chicago Public Schools, but then also as an entrepreneur and working with a multitude of different um, education organizations to see the issues that they're dealing with um, and realizing that these are sometimes answers that, you know, corporate America has had for years, for decades, um, that the knowledge base in corporate America is there to you know, resolve these issues, but you just don't always have that um, those people with that experience in the education sector, um, it, it's sometimes frustrating because um, one of the things that I run into or that I've seen um, many times is financial management. Um, and so most people will hear just you know from the headlines in the news that, um, education programs are, you know, under, under-resourced, under which is very true, right? But then at the same time, I've seen sometimes where those resources are maybe mismanaged or not used in appropriate ways that, you know, can, can sustain an organization for the long term. And that's not necessarily done because people have bad intentions. It's just they don't have the, um, the, the knowledge or the skill set to really – Maximize the money that they do have, or maximize the resources that they do have access to. So that's something that to me, coming from the business perspective or the private sector, um, it can be a little frustrating because um you know, I can do as much as I can do as an individual, but I, I, I always, and this is one of you know my my jokes that i that I tell with my you know friends is like I'm begging them to come over into education, you know? <laughs> um, because I just know that their background could so benefit and add value to what's going on. And the thing is that we just don't actually have time. You know, there is, um, Mm -hmm. there are students today that are in schools that are not getting the education that they need to succeed or be able to go to a four-year college, and they don't have five years. You know, like, they need a high-performing school today. So I will say... For me, one of the biggest things of being in um, social impact or, or just you know specifically in education or working in that environment is you see the need for change. you see the need for growth. you see the need for improvement and it needs to happen yesterday.
0: So you know, something that I'm interested in personally is how have you seen your colleagues that balance you know a professional life in a private sector? With their passions and their interest of trying to give back to the community and then get involved in a social way.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see it a lot. It's actually really hard because I will tell you. Um, so when I uh, went into the private sector right after graduation, um, it's a lot of work, right? Like everybody, you know, it's kind of the expectation. You come out with an MBA, um, most likely you'll have a great salary, but most likely you'll be working a lot of hours, um, and so. Just realistically, you're kind of wiped out with your day-to-day job. Um, what I've seen with some of my friends that are still in corporate environments is that still plays true. Um, <laughs> it, 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 unfortunately, um, they, they're losing that passion um, for their corporate jobs because they have more of a passion to do something socially and that i think makes the corporate job even harder sometimes um... it doesn't you know is more of a, a uh, it's a tougher thing to wake up and go to work every day if you're not really interested in doing that um... but then at the same time you're there all day long and you really don't have to introduce do anything outside of that so i know some people push through um, there's a lot of people that do a lot of volunteer work or Um, again, like tutoring students, um, it's uh, it's a ton of people that do that, but I do have these side conversations with them and they're just like, wow, I I just really wish I could do this full time. Um, because they just get so much more personal satisfaction or joy from helping other people or helping their community. Um, so it's, it's actually, you know, it's it's a tough It's a tough thing for a lot of people I know.
0: Mm, Interesting. Well, I'll definitely have to keep that in consideration as I, as I sort of plan out the rest of my life, have some things to think (laughs) about. (laughs) So we heard a little about from Tracy about navigating her career path from the private area into a nonprofit, you know, non-traditional space. And I was interested, you know, how does that resonate with you guys and your backgrounds and your pathways?
2: Yeah. So um, I came to Ross from the private sector as well. um, And Something I found really interesting in my time here is that the the, um, career arc, I guess, of saying I'm going to go back to business school, I'm going to spend a couple of years in the private sector, and then I'm going to go and have my impact is one that um, I hear a lot, and I think a lot of students feel really compelled by, but what I've seen here is that that's almost a false um, splitting of career goals and having an impact, I think, when I look back on my career and when I look at all the career opportunities I explore now, it's not a question of private sector or impact. It's a question of what will my impact look like and what sector will that be in? Um, so I think people can choose to go and work for a nonprofit or work in the government. And obviously, your impact is going to be very high. And we hear a lot of talk about how maybe your salary won't be as high. And I think that depends on the role. But if you choose to go into the private sector, there are huge impacts that you can have, whether that's um, directly with the team that you work with or in terms of high-level business decisions that will trickle down in a global way Um, and then everything in between. I mean, there are for-profit social enterprises. There are um, nonprofits that need business expertise in them. There's everything under the sun. So I think um, it's not just one or the other anymore, which makes it a really exciting time to be in business school if you care about social impact.
1: Mm
3: -hmm. Blake, what about you? Yeah, and we heard a little bit about this um, in the clips from Hoffman and Karnani. Um, And a little bit of both kind of resonate with me. I know that, like, Karnani would say that the energy spent in trying to make social impact within uh, the private sector would be better spent in government or the civil society. uh, And that... $50 $50 pair of Tom shoes, we better donated $50 to a nonprofit. Um, well, Hoffman would definitely disagree and say, no, like this is in order to change the system, you have to work within the system and um, change it from within. Um, and but I think there's somewhat of a danger um, when you start blurring those lines. And some of the dangers are like can i feel like i'm having an impact and then not actually have an impact within my corporate job and like what mm-hmm. and at what point do i get so you know unattached to the idea of creating an impact that i don't know some i become somewhat delusional i guess yes. i don't jaded. know yeah. jaded or like yeah
2: <laughs> i mean i think that's true no matter what side you're on though right like what side in terms of like private public like if i work in the government and I have the security of knowing that my job is impactful, then there are a lot of decisions I may make and not think about the implications of them because I've kind of sat back on my laurels and I'm not meaning to project this onto anybody in the government, keep doing the work that you're doing. But um, just I think that's true no matter where you choose to work is you can become disconnected from the reason that you chose to go there in the first place.
0: You know, this gets me thinking because we had Holly Price on in our first episode, and we talked a little bit about, I think, kind of this this tension, maybe, or the perceived tension, um, between the corporate and the nonprofit world. And I was wondering from you guys, kind of talking about that, why do you think that exists, and, and is there a way to eliminate it? Is is you know, is an issue?
2: Yeah. So I think we both have a lot of thoughts about this. I would say part of why that exists is, um, in the past, that a little bit. It was a little bit more that way. Um, I think jobs were a means to a livelihood, and then how you chose to um, express your life was meant to be outside of your job. So you earned your money, and then how you, how you spent it was up to you, but impact didn't really have a place in the workplace. And, of course, that's a generalization, but um, I think with all of the talk about the millennial workforce, we do expect to feel more connected to the work that we do. And so it's starting to shift um, the way that people think about a quote unquote traditional role where you need to give as part of the incentive package to attract somebody like a Holly price, you need to Mm -hmm. offer them things beyond a compensation package because that's not enough anymore. Um, So I think the workplace is just evolving a little bit and it's kind of the same as, Earlier, when we were talking about the market evolving and consumers expecting something different, employees expect something mm-hmm. different now.
0: Are you, are you guys optimistic of the change in in, in big business in the corporate world, in the private sector, with more of us that are you know interested in social impact going into the workplace? I'm torn.
2: <laughs> <laughs> seriously, It depends I'm, on the day that you
4: ask,
5: <laughs> no, seriously,
3: it really does depend on the day. Um, if it was, if you asked me on the day that Enron came out with their scandal, absolutely not. Yeah, right, but. I want to think that even if it's superficial focus on social impact in the long run, it will make us better. That's my hope.
2: Yeah. And I'd say whether or not I have faith in the biggest big businesses to conduct themselves in a way that I would consider responsible, I think the pressure that we're seeing and the trends that we're seeing are indicative of a coming shift in mm. the market. So whether that's going to come from big businesses or whether there's that's going to come from more of a grassroots small business place, I don't really know, but I think we're seeing enough activity and energy around it now that that things are going to change. And I just hope they change quickly.
3: And there are, but there are some really cool, Corporations that are doing some really cool things in this space, like mm-hmm. Levi's, they have set up programs for people within their supply chain to learn English, to learn how to oh, develop their community, yeah. to like, so like, I have hope. Yeah, yeah, it's slow, like Bree said, but
0: I have hope. You know, when I did some time in London, I was at um, I think it was at Citibank, and I realized that they, as an incentive package to their employees, um, you know, these these bankers are working long hours. They come in and they get them from top notch schools. But they actually offered them essentially a six to one year, you know, sabbatical
5: mm-hmm. um, within
0: their first three years to just take and do kind of whatever you want. They would have programs set up to go and explore different options. Mm-hmm. But you're seeing companies that are trying to incentivize in different ways because it's a, it's a value prop, right?
2: Yeah. And I mean, I know we keep going back to Karnani and Hoffman, but when Karnani says you only do it if it drives shareholder value, Employee engagement and employee retention yeah. drive shareholder value. That's so true. if that's what it takes, then that's what companies will do.
3: And to push back on that, though, Carnahan would say, would Holly Price's energy be better spent in the nonprofit sector, in the social sector?
2: Maybe, but <laughs> we might have to bring Holly on.
1: back,
3: But Holly represents like all of us. Like, I mm-hmm. mean, I, yeah. I, I, I ask myself the same question too. Like, where w- would my energy be best best spent? Yeah.
2: yeah. But I am and I think we're in my mind, we're in the middle of a transition period where that may be true. And it, like, in my opinion, if we could take everyone from this school and put them in like full time social impact jobs, the world would be so much better for it. However, collectively, our income would be pretty low, mm-hmm. most likely, and our ability to service the debt loads that we took on to be able to attend this fine institution would be we just wouldn't have that ability, you know what I mean? So, like, (laughs) we're still in a place where there's a little bit of a a tension in that way. So I think we're we're in the transition time where it's like, how can I find ways to express how I care and have an impact no matter what job I choose to take? Um, And I think people are asking themselves that more than ever. And, like, we had a career event on campus just a few days ago where a bunch of alumni came back and talked about how they navigated that, and they all chose something different. Mm-hmm. Like some of them went to huge companies, some of them started their own companies. So, um, I think that's interesting, and that actually I think brings me to my next
0: question as we kind of move along here. So, Tracy kind of offered some advice to me as I was kind of dealing with the uh, the duality of you know my professional ambitions and, and personal passions. But um, I was interested from you guys how have you guys navigated you know, this, this mysterious road into social impact and, you know, any advice you guys could offer to current students going
3: through that?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Our disclosure disclaimer is that you're getting advice from two unemployed students. So. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa.
3: <laughs> we have a $200 company.
2: Oh, that's wow, right. We pitched for a the Michigan <laughs> business
3: challenge. We've been granted $200. <laughs> Do you guys want to pitch it here? So it um,
2: another time another
3: time but be on the lookout for micro banking <laughs> yeah as an industry <laughs> oh we should talk I like this
2: yeah, yeah we like it too um yeah so my advice to myself and my friends and to any future MBA students is um be honest with yourself and surround yourself with people who are going to um hold you accountable for what you say that you want Um, I think it's really easy in this environment to feel like there are only 10 or 20 companies that are worthwhile to work for. Um, And those are wonderful companies and we send a lot of people there and that's fantastic. But I think they're not a fit for everybody. And if you like you are a highly qualified, highly motivated person, you can find where you want to go. But you need to be willing to um, take the time to figure out where that is. And Mm -hmm. I think that's biggest gap for all of us here is that things just move so fast and it's so stressful to be like I need to take a moment for myself and reflect on what I came here yeah. for is really hard to do. Um, so get friends that'll force you to
3: do it. I think one of the biggest values don't yes, don't be scared of doing off campus recruiting. Mm-hmm. That would be my biggest Piece of advice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, do not like people are going to say, "Oh, it's it's terrifying." But, well, how do you do that? How do you how do you engage in that off campus well, process? off
2: Campus recruiting is fun. It is
3: fun. <laughs> yeah. No, it's seriously. Enjoy- I talk to some of the coolest people yeah. in the world. I talk to the CEO of Everlane, like. An incredible company doing incredible things. A
2: clothing retailer.
3: It's a really all, all, responsible really company. Cool. No, yeah. no, no, like okay. it's like transparent supply chain about yes. human right. It's incredible. And would I have been able to have that conversation if I was solely doing on on-camp- campus on campus? No. Yeah. Yeah. Um so don't be afraid of it. And if you're if you're at Ross or if you're at University of Michigan, you're in one of the best membership organizations in the world. <laughs> you have a network that spans everything. Like, might as well take advantage of it while you can. How
0: did you guys more tangibly, you know, let's you, say you define your passions and maybe you define kind of what, you know, particular area you want to go into and you know you need to do some off-campus recruiting. What's that gap there? How do you fill that, that tangibly with actions that you guys use?
2: Yeah. So I would say talk to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. So like, for example... I came back to business school because I knew that I wanted a career in social impact, but to be honest, I didn't know what that meant. And yeah. now I know that I didn't know what that meant, but at the time I thought I did. And so I don't
0: think a lot of perspectives know. Yeah. I, I didn't know either, but of course I put it on my application. Well, exactly. Mm-hmm. You're yes. supposed yeah.
2: to you're supposed to sound like you know what you're talking about, and that's that's part of the process too. But I think being open to um the fact that I was pretty ignorant of the space was wildly helpful because then I could talk to people and be like, I'm not really sure. These are the things I know. These are the things I'm wondering about. And I mean, this is especially true in the impact space, but I think it's also true beyond that. It's like people are passionate. They want to talk to you about it. So if you are interested and have a genuine engagement, um, people are going to want to talk to you and they're Mm -hmm. going to help you. And that fills that time because if you reach out to one alum and say, I just want to know more about what you do. I think I might be interested, but I have no experience. A, you're going to have a really fruitful conversation. B, they're going to introduce you to five more people. So Mm -hmm. it's not going to be a question of how do I fill the time. It's going to be a question of how do I have all these conversations. I don't have enough time. So, um, And, like, you're on a college campus. You can try out 101 Mm -hmm. different things. So if you think something might be for you, but you're not sure, try it out. Like You're... You're on a campus where you can do that. Yeah,
3: we, Ross has, and Ross has clubs to fit every social, uh, most social <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, actually that goes really well into our next segment here as we talk
0: about, not just, you know, recruiting wise, but I think a lot of students want to get involved. Um, either maybe they put on their application, you know, uh <laughs> uh, in a true way. But um, I think a lot of us want to get involved in social impact and want to know how to learn more about the space. So let's go into our next segment here where Brianna, you know, you got the chance to speak with students here at Ross that are involved in different clubs. So why don't you introduce this this next segment?
4: Sure. So
2: um, yeah, I got a chance to talk to a handful of students who have participated in um, some, not all because there are a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. But some of the different programs we have on campus for connecting with social impact. So a couple examples would be the Ross Open Road program where um, you and a team of classmates drive across the country and work with social entrepreneurs. Uh, The board fellowship program where you sit on the board of a nonprofit during the academic school year. Um, I talked to a couple of dual degrees. So these are gonna be students who get, like Blake and I, um, the MBA and then a master's in a complementary degree. Um, and then a couple of students who have been on different club boards here, so Net Impact, the Business Impact Group, um, many, many others. <laughs>
5: There's a lot. Cool. Let's uh, let's dive right into that clip. Yeah, uh, Sandy Mervak. I'm in my third year in a dual degree between Ross and the Ford School of Public Policy. A lot of the kind of extracurricular work that I've done has been with the Center for Social Impact. Uh, I was a board fellow. I was also kind of one of the student coordinators of the board fellows, did an impact-related internship in my first year, a couple of case competitions. Uh, One of them was sort of public sector focused, looking at parking in downtown uh, East Lansing and working with the city government in East Lansing. And one of them was uh, looking at kind of redeveloping an old uh, auto plant in Detroit.
2: So you've been around the block a little bit, you've done nothing or two here.
5: Yep, yep, a few things.
2: Cool. Do you wanna tell us a little bit more about Board Fellows?
5: Sure, yeah. So I was, I'm one of, I don't think a very large group of rosters that came in um, with mainly nonprofit experience. I I used to be the development director for a a nonprofit youth mentoring program before coming back to school. Um, And so the idea of Board Fellows was really attractive to me coming in. I had some experience working with our board from my old job, but I had never really taken part in kind of organization-wide strategic planning or development planning. And so I was really eager to uh, to try that out when I got here. Um, so I did board fellows with a uh, program called SOS Community Services based in Ipsy. Um, they, it's a homelessness kind of service organization that offers a whole suite of, uh, of services to, um, homeless families living in and around Ipsy. And, uh, I was helping them with uh, like an organization-wide strategic plan, a five-year strategic plan that involved mostly the program, but a little bit of fundraising
2: as well. Cool. Yeah. Um, how, so I guess coming out of the board fellows program, do you feel like it was a cool opportunity to apply what you were learning in the classroom, or do you feel like you learned more from the fellowship than you contributed? Like, how did you feel coming out of it on the other side?
5: I felt like, uh, I thought it was a very successful year. I, I definitely learned a lot. Um, I think the thing that I, that I really appreciated about the board fellows, uh, which was sort of in contrast to my coursework was that, um, The problem was kind of messy, and it didn't have like a linear path to a solution. And there really were no numbers at all. Uh, It was all kind of like opinions of staff members, opinions of board members, uh, sort of like back of the envelope feasibility types of questions. And uh, and that just felt like the kind of problem that you're going to encounter in the real world. Like you're never going to have something where all the data is presented to you. Um, so it was, it was very much a project around like gathering people's thoughts and opinions, generating buy-in, and then, uh, not being afraid to put out like a, like an initial result, even if you knew that wasn't going to be the final product, you know, you got to put it out there, take a second round of feedback and then work on doing another iteration and then, you know, cycle back and repeat. And, And so I think we probably went through about three or four iterations of the final like strategic plan before everybody was kind of bought in mm-hmm. and felt like their opinions were on the table and like well reflected in what we wrote. So
2: so the first thing I would love it if you shared is just like what are a couple of the different programs, clubs, um, opportunity centers, whatever it is that you have Uh, participated in because there are so
4: many and I think especially as a second year it's easier to look back and say like these are the places where I really chose to spend my time. Mm, Sure so I think for me I've kind of focused my attention into two areas related to impact over the last two years so the first of which would be Net Impact Club. I joined Net Impact last year I mean it was a really obvious channel for me as somebody who was coming from the nonprofit agricultural development world Um, and wanting to look into how to leverage that within business and then just looking at the greater space of how business can have a positive impact on society for me the connection was really clear with that impact one of the events we put on last year which I think was really exciting was our first annual career symposium we saw a like really strong demand for student from students uh, for kind of Pointing them in the direction of careers that at least had had a hand in what was going on in the impact space. And for us, the career symposium was a way for us to bring together alumni who had moved into impact-related careers or kind of what we call friends of Ross who may not have graduated from Ross, uh, <laughs> and have them talk to students in, in a... Somewhat formal environment, uh, but also gives students the opportunity to interact with with those individuals. And for, I know for me personally, it was a really powerful event last year. And not knowing exactly how I was going to navigate the transition that I wanted to have in my career, uh, and also just understanding what opportunities were available to me, both on and on off campus. Uh, I think one thing. That's kind of frustrating about being interested in impact-related careers, but also an amazing opportunity at Ross is the fact that you do have this critical mass of students who are at least interested in talking about the subject, and when you get everybody in the same room like that, it does feel like a really powerful experience to be reminded that Mm -hmm. there's more than just the on-campus careers recruiting. Um, There's a huge space out there, and... The skills that we learn in business school are transferable beyond your traditional consulting, finance, marketing jobs. So for me, I think the symposium last year was a really powerful reminder of that. So Net Impact for me has been a really awesome space to kind of be reminded constantly that I'm not alone in in wanting to pursue a slightly alternative career path. So... Beyond Net Impact, the other club that I've been heavily involved with over the last year and a half or so since entering school is called Business Impact Group. Uh, Big for short. Big for short, yeah. So we were... We actually founded, I was one of the founding members of the group. We started last fall. Essentially, there was an agricultural startup that had approached Herb, which is kind of the, the center that's at the intersection of, of the SNRE degree, mm-hmm. School of Natural Resources, and the MBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this startup had approached Herb, essentially looking for student involvement in some strategic projects for them, and that kind of snowballed into what is now a 20-person club Uh, working with three different startups in the for-profit social venture space. So we're kind of providing what we would call like strategic consulting services for them. There's a lot of forward momentum. It's really exciting. I think that everybody really sees, everybody in Ross really buys into the value of the MAP projects and this hands-on learning. um, And they're looking for more opportunities to integrate that into the classroom and into what we do. So I think that that who knows in the next year or two big could be something that students are doing for credit, which would be really awesome.
2: Cool. So yeah, I think the student experience is really the heartbeat of social impact at Ross and, um, and the folks we just heard from touched on a couple of different ways that you can get involved. And like we've said a few times today, there are so many different ways to um, explore the social impact space. So like for me personally, Um, the Ross open road team was something that completely changed the way that I think about my career and what I want, what I want to get out of my time here. Um, the net impact club here has been really meaningful for me. The Ross leaders Academy is something that I feel really fortunate to have gotten to participate in. Um, and I could go on and on and on. What about those three,
0: a little bit about those three organizations there.
2: Oh, geez. Oh, you know, I actually want to mention a fourth one just because it kind of ties back to our conversation about recruiting, but um, the Center for Social Impact, the Urban Institute, and the zell Institute yeah. have all um, financially supported me in different ways to do internships and projects. So I will basically walk into them and say, I have an idea. I want to work on this thing because, A, I want to learn about something, and B, because I think it's impactful. And they have supported me, and I know a lot of other people who have been supported by them, and I think that's a really unique and amazing um, offering that Ross has.
0: Is that where you guys got your $200? <laughs>
2: Actually, yes. <laughs> Actually, yes it is. Yeah. Now that I think about it. So they're also our first investors.
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> it's your um, angel. Very yeah. PC. <laughs> yep.
2: Great. Um, so, yeah, we joke about our our business, but um, in terms of my experience here, the the financial support that I've gotten from the different centers and institutes has been so stellar like it it's made me able to do the different things that i want to do so with ross open road for example um not only did the center for social impact financially support my team when we went on the road but the Zelluri institute actually funds the program so it's Mm -hmm. really expensive to send a team of four mbas across the country for five weeks um and we would never be able to do that if the school didn't put money and resources behind it it's not just money either it's time um on Net Impact, we send a huge group of students to the national conference every year because it's a great recruiting opportunity for them. Um, And the program office helps us pay for that because it's really expensive to go. Um, I did my summer internship as a self-designed internship where I worked with social entrepreneurs, um, and I didn't want them to pay for it because they're entrepreneurs. Yeah. And so the Center for Social Impact paid for me to do that. Like oh, They really have cool. really meaningful contributions that have allowed me and my friends to get hands-on real experience in the sectors that we want to work in, um, which has completely changed my career trajectory. So it's been pretty amazing.
0: Well, Blake, what about you? What uh, what clubs or
3: organizations um, here, at Ross, are you involved with? Uh, that's a great question. So I Actually, started a, a club with a good friend of mine, um, Ian Robinson. We started a Service Corps alumni, which is a social impact focused club that is really about uh, making sure that returned Peace Corps volunteers and Americorps alumni um, have a community here that they can um, be a part of and find support when they're doing recruitment for social impact or even the private sector. But um, that's been a really um, great thing to be able to begin to build and to really ideally be able to really influence the culture of social impact here at Ross. Um, The second thing that I I want to tout is um, the Michigan Business Challenge. Uh, My first year here, I worked closely with the Center for Social Impact and uh, ZLI to implement the first um, social impact track for the Michigan Business Challenge. So it was really cool to kind of develop that from scratch and like, what, what does that even look like? I mean, how do you measure your impact mm-hmm. from a business perspective? I mean, these are questions that are still being asked in the greater world. So,
2: mm-hmm.
3: how how are we going to synthesize that for a um, graduate competition?
2: Yeah, what's the Michigan Business Challenge, Blake?
3: And the Michigan Business Challenge is a uh, business plan and pitch competition that is organized by um, ZLI and CSI here at University at Ross. And this year is the biggest pool of candidates. More than a hundred people did apply, um, and there's something like a hundred grand on the table um, for the winning business. So it's a big year for um, Michigan Business Challenge. Thanks, Brianna, for uh, for prodding that
0: definition out. <laughs> Um, and you know, just to say, also, um, any of the clubs, organizations that we we cover here, um, you can go on our Roth's website and look them up. There's descriptions of all of our organizations, as well as we'll post in the show notes um, a link to uh, the blog that we have for 100 plus ways to get involved in social impact. Um, or I, I guess they can email email one of you guys.
2: Yeah, email Absolutely. us. We love to talk to people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, great. I think that was a really good way to end that last segment here. And we'll move into our last bit here, which we call Reflections. And Reflections is just a chance for us on the panel to get a chance to reflect on something that meant something to us in the past couple of weeks. And so I'll kick things off. Um, just uh, last Friday, I was part of the Design Plus Business Facilitator Training, um, which is a really cool organization that you know melds both the ideas of creative design process and creative thinking into how we can integrate that into businesses. And the facilitator training was really meant to enable students with the abilities to lead an actual facilitation discussion. So, Mm -hmm. for example, there's clubs and organizations and outside companies that come to the business school and say, we wanna lead a design session in maybe a new product idea. And the club members that have been through the training will get the chance to go through and and actually facilitate one of those, which is really interesting. Um, There's more information on, on our website, but what I'll say is we had the prompt of redesigning the Ross workspace which I have some real passions about, um, and so <laughs> I, can, I can probably go off on some ideas for, for the workspace here, but I think we had some really productive ideas, um, some, sleep, some sleep nooks, uh, some more individual work areas, um, but some fun ideas that I think that, that could be really productive to a conversation here. And the last thing that I wanna reflect on is, it's my birthday.
2: What? Today is your birthday? Yeah, happy birthday. And you birthday. withheld Thanks. that until this very moment. <laughs> That's crazy. Happy birthday.
0: Thanks. So we'll have a happy birthday today and a closing out to the the, the quarter. So
2: mm.
0: how about you guys?
2: So one that I would say is a couple of weeks ago, um, the Ross Open Road program, which we've referenced a lot during this, this um, session, had an info session for students. And instead of doing a formal, like... Here's how you apply, and here's the deadlines. We did a um, story slam, and it was the first time that I had gotten to hear stories from the teams that were on the road this summer. And I was their um, facilitator over the summer, or I don't know what would you call me—advisor, whatever. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Colleague. Um, cheerleader, and um, it was so awesome to hear their experiences and to hear how impactful the journeys had been for them. Um, Blake told a story, and he read um, a letter that one of their entrepreneurs had written to them afterward, and I was legitimately crying (laughs) in an info session that we were running, and I was, like, (laughs) crying. Um, So that was a really awesome moment where I was like, we did something real at Ross here. Um, So that was really cool. And then the other one that I'll say is that um, we reached out to a group of alumni recently to talk about social impact at Ross. Um, And it was a total, it was an email. I sent it out at like midnight or something, and it was completely cold. I don't know a lot of the people that I reached out to. I just know that they had been um, involved in social impact in some way while they were here. And the response that we got was so awesome. The enthusiasm and um, like energy to get involved and what can we do? What can I tell you? Um, how can I participate in this conversation was so gratifying and heartwarming um, and sort of reinforced my interest in the space. So that was a great moment. Awesome. And they're still trickling in. Actually, I got one this morning. It was awesome. Did you? Yeah.
3: That's awesome. Yeah. That makes me feel a lot better too. Mm-hmm. Um, reflections. Can I get like really deep? Get deep. Go there. They're okay. Um, my, my mind goes into very weird places. And like yesterday, I was starting to really think about um, the ethics of marketing, mm. um, and like, what, what does it mean to sell a product that says that if you buy this, you will be a good mother? Mm-hmm. Um, like, is that ethical? Yeah. Like is P&G that G commercials? Yeah. Like, is that ethical to like, prey on? is, is that preying on someone's vulnerability or is that simply like giving them gratification for what, what they, what they want to feel? And I don't know. I, I, a lot, a lot of these deep reflections that I have don't really result in like knowledgeable <laughs> answers, <laughs> but they do. Uh,
2: Healthy skepticism. <laughs> yeah,
3: but they do have a lot. I, I find value in at least the thought process and thinking about it. So that's, that's something that I've been um, thinking about this last week, particularly as a lot of my marketing classes are wrapping up. Well, cool. Those were really fun to hear. And I will just
0: outro and just say thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you, Blake and and Brianna for joining me today. Um, You can learn more about social impact careers and getting involved with social impact at Michigan Ross via a few links in our show notes, as we mentioned before. Um, You'll find a link to full conversations with Professor Kanani and Professor Hoffman there as well. If you're not already, please subscribe to Business Beyond Usual and leave us a review. It won't change the world, but it really helps other people find the show. Until next time, I'm Ramu Anomale, and this is Business Beyond Usual.